Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. This is where it actually begins. If you're watching the online version and seeing me being muted, that that didn't happen. It's uh, I'm not going to say fake news because I feel like an idiot. But uh, yeah, live from a conference room in Slough, by the looks of it, by with the lighting I've got today. Uh, I'm Will Gavin. Alongside me, features editor for Gridiron Magazine, Simon Clancy, and my main man on the Gridiron Show, Ollie Hunter. Gents, how are we after week seven? Good, thanks, mate. That sounded really thrilling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Plus, Ollie is now muted himself somehow. I don't know how that's happened. I think Michael did it. Yeah, I'm groovy. I was, I was, I was flipping the old Rogers, uh, but I think ever since, isn't isn't the Rogers now just lying face down on the floor and not moving, uh, having a little cry? Uh, It's the Rogers now. the, the the just petulant sigh at yet another wide receiver dropping a ball. But I, I, I we'll go to Rogers very quickly. Maybe this will be hopefully the last time we speak about him. But he's actually throwing the ball into the dirt quite a lot as well. So I know I don't think it's all all on the wide receivers. But yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm um I'm resigned. I don't know how you feel about your team uh, losing after they've just made a massive uh, draft pick, but I'm uh, a massive trade, but I'm quite resigned to the fact that Green Bay are rubbish and, and, until further notice. So it's kind of like, oh, well, it is. It's quite funny. I find it funny. We, are we doing, we do, I, I mean, I, I want to talk more about Rogers because in the show today, I think we should talk about the aging quarterbacks who are struggling this year. Uh, we will look back on Monday night football as the New England Patriots get decimated by the Chicago Bears as well. We'll look forward to Thursday night as well. Plenty of us for us to get into. Uh, I will just answer your question very quickly because you asked me, uh, and we don't want to make this all about our teams every week. We want to try and avoid that, but. It was a horrible loss on Sunday for the 49ers. It was the fact that the defense who had played so well up until this point just absolutely fell apart and Andy Reid completely schooled D'Amico Ryans is a problem. I think they rushed a lot of people back quickly, too quickly from injuries. We've got a bye, we've got the Rams coming up and then a bye week and then a second half of the season, which looks schedule wise a lot easier. And last year we were three and five and ended up in the NFC Championship game. So I'm just, I am not losing complete hope, but it was a tough loss to take. Okay. And yeah, we'll see what next week looks like against the Rams. I'm excited for you know, CMC to have the full playbook and uh, the full run and have people properly back healthy and all of that stuff. Uh, I did Sunday Night Football on Sunday as well on old Talk Sport 2. And uh, for about a quarter and a half, the Dolphins were absolutely sensational. And then... It was um, uh, tough getting over the line. They did it, which is the main thing. But yeah, I, I, I was kind of messaging with Simon throughout and it was a bit of a roller coaster from the Dolphins' perspective. A little bit, a little bit. I kind of felt like there was a, a bit of rust. I thought Mike McDaniel got out. I thought it was Mike McDaniel's first bad game as a coach. I thought he got outcoached. I thought the Steelers made some great adjustments, certainly shutting down the middle of the field. Um, but I just thought, you know, some time management issues, that obviously not going, uh, not kicking the field goal to put it 19-10 and, and sort of uh, leaving it sort of hanging on at the end was a little bit unfortunate. Um, but, you know, the quarterback is back. Uh, Tron Armstead was back playing well. The You know, Miami came into the game with four healthy, active tight ends uh, ready to go in that game and three active quarters. 
Um, and essentially, Justin Bethel played 61 snaps in four seasons, four seasons on defense. He played 59 snaps as a starting outside corner for the Dolphins on uh, on uh, Sunday night. So, and played big, really well, like really, really well. well. Got an interception, got seven or eight tackles. Um, so they got really big performances from kind of, I mean, they literally started two special teams guys, Bethel and Noah Igbenogane, uh, at corner opposite Xavier Howard. So um, they came up big when they needed to. It kind of felt like after a quarter and a half and the offense was just absolutely singing. There was a few missed opportunities, a couple of really inexplicable drops. So Tyreek Hill makes a drop or sort of pauses his route halfway through um, in the second quarter. And he, I mean, he's still running now if he doesn't stop, for, inexplicably seem to stop his route. Two of missed a few throws after looking really good early on. Um, but it was good to have him back. The energy looked good in the stadium, felt good. The offense is just completely, the team is just completely different when he's there. So, um, so yeah, good, good to get back on track. And then Detroit this week on, on that fast turf with that speedy offense. So fingers crossed. Uh, now, there's going to be plenty, like I said, for us to get into this week. We'll talk quarterbacks. The Colts make a change. Should the Patriots be looking to do the same with their uh, second-year quarterback in Mac Jones? We'll talk about those aging guys as well. I also want to talk about the New York teams and look forward to London as well. Uh, but let's start off with that Monday night football game, a game which I kind of assumed we wouldn't end up hugely covering this week. It wasn't the most exciting game on paper, but... I mean, Matthew Sherry, you know, Gridiron founder, said himself that he thought that was the worst Patriots performance that he's watched in the Bill Belichick era. He is a man who, it must be says, is um, he's the king susceptible of hyperbole. to hyperbole. <laughs> is he? <laughs> is but, he? But it wasn't good, was it, Simon? Oh, it was horrendous. I thought they were awful. I thought... Apart from that period when Bailey Zappi came on and, you know, he had the the, the touchdown drive, the, the, the touchdown to Myers, the throw to Devontae Parker, and then obviously Ramondre Stevenson scored to put them up 14-10. There was some energy in that building. But apart from that, and I, I don't understand the decision. I, I was reading um, one of the Boston newspapers this morning and they were talking about how none of the players seemed to understand the decision in terms of, taking Matt Jones out of the game and putting Bailey Zappi in, Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers specifically. We're talking about how that that had certainly never been sort of parlayed to them, that information. Feels like at the moment, Matt Jones had a very spotty year this year. Um, and it feels as though, I mean, I, I, I put in our WhatsApp group this morning that if you have two quarterbacks and you don't really have one at all, it's going to be a really interesting decision. I saw Bill Belichick's press conference this morning where he did the classic Bill Belichick of not answering anything. Um, he said that all the questions were hypothetical in terms of whether Mac Jones was injured, whether Mac Jones would be playing next week, whether Bailey Zappi was the starter. Um, but the, the, the Zappi bubble burst and he went from happy Zappi to crappy Zappi in about two quarters. Um, yeah, no worries. I just thought of that literally as I was talking about. I enjoyed it greatly. Um, no worries, buddy. No worries. He can use that as well. He can use that. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I mean, he was late on some throws. Uh, he was unfortunate or fortunate not to Kyler Gordon just to sort of run out of gas on that on that uh, interception. But I just thought just overall, they just looked slow. They couldn't get the running game going, the much vaunted running game going. The offensive line struggled. Um, and defensively, apart from Matthew Judon, they just looked really sort of off the pace, Ollie. I don't know what you thought, but I just thought all over the field. And, and you know, I saw the Bears the previous week in that game against um, the Commanders, and they were mm -hmm. terrible. I mean, terrible. Um, but Justin Fields actually looked fairly efficient, certainly sort it, of it, running it just, the ball. 
on on that point, it felt like against Washington they tried to play him very much uh, in the pocket. They tried to force him to throw the ball. I don't know if that was a slight design because of Washington's defensive line does offer a little bit of a, uh, a challenge for them potentially, but it did feel like last night, I will get more on to the Patriots quarterback situation, but it did feel like last night we saw Justin Fields being allowed to do what Justin Fields do well, which is try and move the ball with his legs. I think that's what they've got to do with him moving forward. So that was stat after the commander's game at I think he'd thrown 112 passes this season, which is the lowest since the Patriots of 1982, which I thought was astonishing. But Ollie, they were just getting him the ball in much more of those sort of designed runs situations. And when you've got that sort of two-headed running back combination of Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, it actually works. The, the blocking up front was pretty good. I thought Cole Komet blocked really well. And then he took his it took his chance in the short and intermediate areas. He still really throws an ugly deep ball. Really can't you know nail a deep throw, but um. I, I thought in terms of the design runs, Ollie Luke gets he did a really nice job last night. Who knew? Get your quarterback and your team <laughs> doing things that they're good at. Uh, there's an awful lot of there's an awful lot of uh, teams in the NFL that could maybe use that very very simple bit of logic, couldn't they? Um, look, uh, yeah, the, the Bears look good, but I think it's more an indictment on how bad the Patriots were. On defense, I mean, people were talking about the Patriots' defense. Matthew Sherry is one of them before this game that they're one of the best defenses in the league, and they just looked slow. They looked, as you said, full of indecision. And I think the whole quarterback issue probably spread controversy. Yeah, controversy. It probably spread like wildfire throughout that, and 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 leaving indecision and and just kind of like, what is earth going on? It probably spread across the whole bench, across the whole team. And the 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 defense wasn't immune to that. So, I mean, the Patriots looking slow, not looking great, weird decisions, controversy, and then the Bears capitalized on it by doing what they should have been doing from the very first game of the season, which is getting your running quarterback run, leaning on that run um, with your your pretty good running backs. It's, I mean, football shouldn't be a, a difficult game. It's a simple one. And the Bears executed that yesterday. On that point of Bears efficiency as well, uh, they went 11 of 18 on third down last night, which is a decent rate for a below average team. But it's worth mentioning that 10 of those 11 third down conversions were either fields running or fields passing for the third down. So, you know, that is a quarterback doing the job he's meant to be doing, which is like, and like you say, actually... <laughs> <laughs> having a team execute what they do well and using that as part of the game plan. We did have a question coming from Sam on Twitter who asked a very simple question and it, it could lead us on nicely to discussing uh, the New York teams. But the question of who do you start for New England next week? Assuming both are healthy, let's say that Mac Jones is healthy and good to go. You're going up against the Jets next week who are on a 4-0 and run. You're going to New York to face them. They're way out in front of you in the division. You're sat at 3-4. and four. They're sat at, what, 5-2 and two now. I, honestly, based on what I've seen over the past, if I'm just taking the sample size of the past four weeks, probably starting Bailey Zappi. I don't think I am. I think if you look at the sample, I don't think you can look at the sample size just over a few weeks. Um, I think you have to look at Bailey Zappi, especially in this game. Um, 
it's a different thing what I would do and what Bill Belichick will do. But um, you have yeah, to. It's, at, a, it's a hypothetical, so we wouldn't yeah. answer the question anyway. Well, yeah, exactly. I think you have to start Mac Jones. And as much as I don't think he's a, the, a long-term answer and may go down the, I don't know, Sam Darnold route maybe in the long term or, or whatever, I just I think he's got. I, th- I think he's shown more in a in a bigger sample size than Bailey Zappi has in a smaller sample size. I think you have to to play him, and it, uh, with the rest of the team finding the whole decision to bench him weird, I think that tells you an awful lot about how the team feel about Mac Jones as well. And I, I think that plays a huge part in any decision that Bill Belichick should should be making. Yeah, I'd start Mac Jones as well. I mean, I think he's the better player. Um, although I don't, I mean, I never really bought into the hype last year. And I think, like I said, I thought he's been inconsistent this year. And look, I, I think in a way the Patriots were hindered by the fact that the crowd made such a reaction when Zappi came in, because it was, it felt like a real indictment on a quarterback who hasn't been awful. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, it, it wasn't like they were benching, you know, some absolute bum to bring in the, the, the rookie who's had a couple of wins. Um, and actually, if you strip it back and look at what Zappi did in that game, yeah, his first throw was a, a a little flare out to the to Ramondre Stevenson, who was wide open. He then he then uh, sort of underthrows and throws behind a wide open Jacoby Myers, and Myers makes an amazing catch. And then he hits Devontae Parker, and essentially a jump ball situation down the sideline. So he did, you know, he did have one throw where he split the needle to Parker in the in the second half. But I mean, let's be clear, he wasn't. You know, this is not kind of vintage twenty twelve Aaron Rodgers that we were talking about. Uh, in terms of Zappi. So I, I think you have to go back to, to Jones. And I didn't think Jones played badly before he got hooked. I mean, I know they were down, you know, two scores, but even so, it felt like a very odd decision after three drives just to pull him out of the game. But I, I would start Mac Jones against the Jets. I just, I, I'm just not sure that you can, you can throw the rookie into that, especially with the way that Robert Salah's defense are playing. Before we get into the quarterback controversy of its own in Indianapolis, let's just talk about the team that they do face this coming Sunday in the New York Jets. I mean, the first thing to say is they have just gone 4-0. And on a 4-0 run, and and, uh, for the second straight week, certainly, they weren't moving the ball through the air particularly well with Zach Wilson under centre. It was a huge amount about their run game, and it was a case of getting it done. Not looking pretty, but getting it done. And yet, Brees Hall, after his 62-yard uh, touchdown off the left end, which was very impressive, on the following um, yeah, a couple of drives later, he ends up going down. It ends up being an ACL tear. He's done for the season. It's now been confirmed that Elijah Vera Tucker will also miss the rest of the season after going down with an injury. So the question is now, they go and trade for James Robinson. They've looked really good on the ground. Robinson and Carter is their backfield right now. Can they continue that run against a Patriots team who have just come off their worst performance in uh, uh, eons? Or is this finally the moment where that kind of Jets doing just enough to win comes a little bit off the rails? I have to say, I have been genuinely impressed with the Jets. I think coaching-wise, they've done a really good job of scheming up what they've needed to scheme up. Defensively, Sauce Gardner looks absolutely sensational. And he's not the only one on that side of the ball who's been impressive. Robert Sallett is doing a good job right now in New York. I don't know, maybe it's just historically, Ollie, but I refuse to kind of, I just refuse to believe that the Jets can continue a run like this. Well, it's difficult as well when they've got Zach Wilson under centre, because if you look at some of the throws that he's been, that he's making, his 
and Simon will probably agree with me on this, some of the footwork and, and balance is absolutely all over the place. He's regressed hugely in where his feet are, how he plants them, where the, the forces are moving and uh, and where they're going through. And, and it, it, he looks absolutely all over the place throwing the ball. That means they've got to lean on the run. They're getting a new running back who has to learn the playbook. All right, he's got a few... He's got a week to do it, but Michael Carter hasn't set the world alight so far this season. And then Bill Belichick will see, okay, so the quarterback is useless. All I have to do is stuff the box. He's not the quarterback's not going to run that much because he's suffered from injuries recently. So it's three it's two running backs, one of which is new, stuff the box, shut down the offense. On the Jets side, on the other side of the ball, they do have a really good defense, as he as he said, and going up against a New England defense, which hasn't been firing. It's a, it's a tricky one, but I don't know what you think, Michael, uh, uh, Michael, Simon, about... Um, don't uh, worry, uh, Fred. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you think, Simon, about uh, the, the matchup itself and the absolute regression of of a quarterback in, in Zach Wilson. Well, you talk about regression, Ollie, but I, I'm not sure he ever got far enough to even regress. I say that with a completely straight face. Do you know what I mean? I, I just, um, I mean, it's going to be rough going, I think, for the first, for, for the rest of this season. I, I think he is one of the worst quarterbacks I've seen um, over this two-year period in terms of, or year and a half period. Um, I, I don't think he is very good. I think losing Brees Hall is huge. I think losing Vera Tucker is huge. And look, Jets fans aren't going to like me for this. I, I, I do look at their schedule and think, who have you beaten? Uh, of any note, okay. You you, you beat the Broncos and uh, you beat the Browns essentially. On I mean that game, the, how the Browns lost that is inexplicable, uh, and the Browns should have won that. And, and we know what happened at the end of that game. They beat a bad Steelers team by four. They beat a bad what's clearly a bad Packers team. Uh, they beat a, a a very bad Broncos team, certainly offensively with Brett Ripon at quarterback, and they beat a Dolphins team who were playing their third-string rookie quarterback, a seventh-round pick out of Kansas State. And actually, with nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter, the Dolphins had a field goal to take a 20-19 to lead. Um, or 20-17 lead. No, 20-19 lead. So I, I just do wonder who they've beaten. Um, and it's great that they're 5-2. and two. I think it's great for football that the Jets are, and, and indeed the Giants. But I just think when they come up against the... You know, they've got this three-game run now. Patriots, Bills, Patriots. And I think... Even if you split the, the 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 games against the Patriots, which I don't think they'll do, I think the Patriots will probably win both of them. Um, they're going to get spanked by the Bills, uh, and then all of a sudden you're five and five, and you find yourself in a very difficult kind of then three game stretch where you're playing the Bears, who are, are, have been a bit more competitive, then the Vikings, and then back to Buffalo again. So uh, I, I just do wonder and worry a bit about who they beat and, and, and what they can be going forwards, especially when they've lost their stud running back. I think that's the, part of the key to what you've said there. And look, why I am impressed by the Jets and why I mentioned the coaching is because they keep finding a way to win those games. They do keep finding a way to win games at tight games. And you could accuse the Jets in the past of they would have lost at least two, if not all four of those yeah. games in the past. So that's something, an area in which I think you have to praise them to an extent. But it's an even bigger issue on in the other half of us and say New York, New Jersey, really, because the Giants are six and one after this 23-17 win over Jacksonville. And it is the most like it's a historic 
six and one in terms of just how close they are to being one and six, essentially. <laughs> They're just the third team in NFL history to register six wins by a final score of eight or fewer points within this period of the season. Only the 2000 Minnesota Vikings and 88 Saints did it. They're also only the third team ever to win at least five games when trailing in the second half of every game this season. Only the 2015 Falcons and the 07 Tennessee Titans. They're the first team to win at least four games when trailing in the fourth quarter this deep into the season in the last eight years. Like every time you look at it, they are historically a team that should almost not have this record and yet lights keep going on off around me if anyone's watching the video version it keeps getting just gradually darker and darker in this room i don't know what's going on um they are historically a team who probably shouldn't be six and one and yet with brian dable with the fight they've shown on the defensive side with daniel jones picking up those third downs with his leg with making you know great offensive plays with absolutely nobody available to him at receiver all that stuff gets me kind of like excited that okay yeah maybe they're six and one and it's ridiculous they're six and one but aren't they a fun six and one and don't i kind of believe every week they'll be in every game yeah i love what the giants are doing i I just conceivably think that it's not even close to the realms of possibility. I think that the Jets are not lucky because that's unfair, but you know, they, they could easily be one and six. Yeah. I mean, the, the Browns defeat the Steelers when they were down by what, 10 or 12 with about three minutes to go. I don't think a two led Dolphins are, are losing to the Jets. Um, you know, considering that they were 19, 17 up uh, nine minutes ago in the fourth quarter. And even as bad as Russell Wilson's played, I'm not sure the Broncos and Russell Wilson are, are losing to the Jets there. So, and as for the Giants, I, what I love about football, one of the things I love is that you just get people in perfect situations. Mike McDaniel is a great example with Tua. I think Brian Dable with Daniel Jones is another one. I think Daniel Jones is just, just playing really good football. He seems like a really good guy, much maligned, obviously really difficult to go into that New York area and be, be a success. And if you don't, you get absolutely hammered by the press and stuff. But it's great to see him bouncing back. Saquon's playing really well. Andrew Thomas is is dominant as a as a left tackle. Uh, you know the defense is playing well. Kayvon Thibodeau's playing well. Uh, I think they're doing just some crazy stuff in terms of schematic wise uh, uh, on defense. And, and I think um, you know that's a sexy six and one. And, and and kind of in a way, it deserves six and one. They're just you know they are eking out some games that maybe they should lose. And I suppose I've kind of been a bit unfair with the Jets because they're doing the same thing. But. Um, I, I like the Giants. I love the story. I think it's great they're competitive in the NFC East, and it'll be a great game in a couple of weeks' time when they take on the Eagles. That's going to be a hell of a battle. It's, I just love, I just love how gritty they are. How you know, coming back from behind and and or, and, and eking out these wins, and you can really tell that that at the beginning of the season where everyone was ruling them out and and saying perhaps they're the worst team in football, they've turned that on its head they're not the worst team in football and it, as you said simon it's a perfect storm of the right place at the right time dable who did wonders in turn and helping to turn um uh, uh helping to turn right. <laughs> helping to turn josh allen into uh into what he is at, at buffalo is doing the same now with uh with daniel jones so or, I, I mean probably not with the same end results, but he's made him quite clearly a better player. And Daniel Jones is making far better decisions before he's, he was holding on to the ball and, and there were sack fumbles. Now he's just throwing it away, getting it away. 
Um, it's just better, better decisions. He's also using his legs really well. 107 yards last weekend. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's fun seeing a team like that do well. I think if you look at the schedule, Will, just to jump in, uh, of their next seven games, you, you'd say they were favourites in five of them, right? If they win five of those seven, they're pretty much they're in the playoffs. They're 11 and three if they lose. You know, they got the Seahawks. They play the Texans. They should beat the Lions. They should beat the Cowboys. Kind of a picking game. They should beat the Commanders. Then they play the Eagles for the first time, and then play the Commanders again. And you kind of think of those seven, you'd, you'd favour them in probably five: Seahawks, Giants, Lions, Commanders, Commanders, right? I mean, they're fortunate they don't play the the Eagles until five weeks to go in, in the final week. And I think that game in the final week will probably be redundant because both teams will probably be in the playoffs at that point if you know if, if they stay healthy. So it's set up perfectly for the Giants to to really make a, a run in the playoffs or a run through the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Um, let's just uh, reflect on the the other big bit of quarterback news was after the Colts went down 19-10 to 10 to the Tennessee Titans this week. Initially... The word shoulder injury were used, and then it was very much clarified by Frank Reich that this was a benching that was happening because of form and that it was going to be happening for the rest of the season. But Matt Ryan, Simon Clancy, is no longer the starting quarterback in Indianapolis. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's multi layered, isn't it? I mean, the inability of the Colts to find a quarterback, I think, is indicative of aging quarterbacks. And we'll get on to guys like, you know, certainly Tom Brady and the struggles that Aaron Rodgers is having as well at the moment uh, and uh, I mean Matt Ryan looks absolutely goosed and, and I also think it's just indicative of really bad play around the league just generally you know and now so they bring in Sam Ellinger who you know people if you follow college football would have seen at Texas you know he is kind of the ultimate he is the gamers gamer do you know what I mean I mean and we said it, I think on this podcast two or three weeks ago that it felt like a situation where Frank Reich and Chris Ballard had to put Ellinger in at some point. You kind of have to know what you've got with this guy. They really like him. Um, but do they like him enough to to ignore a CJ Stroud or a Will Levis or a Bryce Young next season? And you've got to kind of see what... Because Matt Ryan, you've seen... Matt Ryan isn't going to get suddenly magically any better. Dan Olofsky was defending him on Twitter this morning, which I didn't quite understand. And Dan's usually very fair over quarterbacks. But I, I just think the arm has gone. I just think the fumbling, you know, it takes you back to, to Dave Craig at Seattle. I mean, he puts the ball on the floor so often. I just think he's absolutely shot. And you've just got, I think you've just got to ride or die with Ellinger and see what you've got with him. And, you know, he'll certainly bring a bit of a, 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 a bit of that sort of gamer mentality to the field. He's a you know, dual threat, can run for first downs. They're not helped by the fact their offensive line has gone from a sort of top five unit to a bottom five unit. But um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what what sort of juice Ellinger brings to the to the table at the weekend. Just Lolly, let me ask you this quickly. Sam Ellinger, very much, you know, uh, it's a raw, it's a prospect. You don't know what you've got there, and it's a chance to see what you've got there. You do have a Super Bowl winning quarterback in the building as well, in Nick Foles, who we know can operate an offense to a maybe not quite league standard level, but with the running game they've potentially got, with the offensive line uh, payments they've made, with when the defense eventually gets back and fully healthy, they're still missing top guys at two levels, then we are suddenly talking, you know, you feel like Nick Foles could do enough in that offense. So I'm kind of surprised that they've gone with Ellinger. Like, that's the direction they've gone in. It's a really weird one, isn't it? Because he was inactive at the weekend, Nick Foles. So, um, He's not even the backup, or he wasn't even the backup over the last week to Matt Ryan. It makes you wonder whether um, this kind of leaning away from Nick Foles towards Ellinger has been in 
kind of in the in in the crosshairs for for the Colts and Frank Reich for a while. Um, what's going on? Why isn't Nick Foles propelled himself into that position? So that's questions that need to be answered or or, or even asked over the next couple of weeks of, of, of Nick Foles and of of that organization. Why why hasn't he? Must it must be something in training? Must be something in practice. Quick, there's a quick pro quo in that, isn't there? In that you're not riding with either of these quarterbacks, Ryan or, or Foles, for the long term. They're not your long term quarterback. You know, Nick Foles. There's enough evidence, say for that amazing playoff run, and then the amazing playoff run the following season, that he's ever really going to be the guy. And you know, the older he gets, the less chance that's going to happen. Matt Ryan, it's, that's clearly not going to happen, right? So whilst they're three and three and second in the division, you kind of feel like okay, a, a game manager like Foles might get you a very flawed team, you could win the division, okay? And then you get bad in the first round of the playoffs. The, the, the quid pro quo on that is that maybe you just start this kid, Ellinger, and you feel like, okay, the sample size is going to be big enough for us to get to the end of the season to think, well, you know what? We've got something here. You know, we get Jonathan Taylor healthy. We we invest in the offensive line and free agency in the draft. And, and maybe we build a little bit of something around this with the best running game, best running back in the league play good defence. I, I think they've got to make a decision on a guy that they clearly like in-house. And Nick Foles is not going to be the starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts next season. And that, to me, is what it comes down to. My only problem is you're still 3-3-1. Three, three and one. You're only technically one game back in the division. Sure. Really two, because the Titans have their head-to-head over them. So you need to get out in front of them. You can't just pull level with them. But that's the only thing for me, is you're still very much in contention at the moment. And Nick Foles has taken a contender to and won a Super Bowl with them before. I don't think the Colts are as good as that Eagles team. They don't have that defensive line. They don't have that, you know, secondary. They don't have those weapons. They, there's so much they don't have. That they, are, they, they have some of the same coaching, but <laughs> the fact is, is that it's not the same situation but that's why I was kind of slightly surprised and I think there'll be some Colts fans who who likely feel the same unless they want to tank and go and get one of those top three quarterbacks or go in what the top five picks next year probably most likely so it's going to take a bad record to get there at the moment, they're not getting one of those three quarterbacks. So that's no, the, not you close. need to find out. You, you develop this guy for a couple of years. You need to find out what you've got with him. Otherwise, what's the point in spending all that time, effort, coaching, et cetera, et cetera, developing it? If by the end of the season, you know, you're, you, you've only won three more games and he's, you know, he's crashed and burned, then at least you have the answer to your question. And then you can look at Hendon Hooker and, you know, whether he, you know, gets into the first round or in the second round or what happens with Tyler Van Dyke in Miami, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, or if you lose enough games, then you're going to put yourself in the picture of a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud or a Will Levis because, you know, they've only won three games at this point and there's still a long way to go. So we shall see. But it'll be, I, I kind of feel like you've just got to know what you've got. You can't get rid of, you can't get rid of Sam Ellinger. You can't trade him or cut him or put him on the practice squad, leave him unprotected and then get picked up by another team. And then he goes and starts and turns into a really good player because you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot. You're just shooting yourself in the foot. You've got to find out what you've got. That's a Taysom Hill uh, example, isn't it? With um, yeah, with the Green Bay Packers, they they didn't they they showed a little bit of what he had in a preseason. They didn't pick him up. They they let him float around, and then the the Saints pick him up. And look how important he's been for them, and how how good he's been for them. You can't you can't let these guys rest there without testing them out. Uh, for those of us reveling in the Patriots being three and four at this stage in the season and not looking very good this week, 
Let's let's continue to revel in the fact that Tom Brady hasn't been under 500 this late into a season since 2002. Uh, is currently sat three and four, has to face the Ravens on Thursday night football and put up three points against one of the worst teams in the NFL who won 21 to three while starting PJ Walker under center and with no actual head coach. That Panthers result, as much as the the Bucks have been bad this year compared with both expectation and what they've achieved in the first two seasons with Brady there. There's bad, and then there's losing in that fashion to a divisional rival who many people thought might be picking first overall this year. That is, uh, I, it was as astonishing of a performance as I can remember in recent times. It I just sad. don't get it. Just, <laughs> I just don't get it. It's it, it was really weird. It's like, Brady looks disinterested. It just doesn't look like he's interested. All right, it could have been very, very different had Mike Evans not inexplicably uh, dropped that ball when he was running towards the end zone, juggling it. Um, it could have been very different, but it wasn't. It's not. It, it's not very different to that because they com- they've completely. I, th- I think they've completely lost the plot. It's so weird. The defense is gone. This this vaunted stellar defense that everyone was talking about is allowed a, a backup running back a backup quarterback maybe a third stringer <laughs> um and and two backup running backs just dominate them and then the defense just rode that offensive offensive vibe it's so weird i don't know what you think and what your thoughts on on brady are simon whether the the issues with his personal life are creeping in the fact that he didn't do much of preseason or or practice preseason either. So I don't know what's going on. I think look the thing that's always been so amazing about Tom Brady is the level of commitment, the everything that he's put into it from you know from year dot right the way through until when he joined Tampa and was up in the park with these guys and and all that sort of stuff. He has always been. 110% all in and now he feels like a part-time player whatever's happening in his personal life and I totally understand that um, it, it, but it's clearly affecting his on-field game you know he's taking time off through the week he took that type that 10-12 day period off in training camp that's just not what Tom Brady does and I don't think at 44 45 46 years old you can continue to play just physically at that level without dropping off but also without the same commitment to to your art you can't do it it's just impossible you look at these kids you look at guys you're going up against guys like Micah Parsons and and Sauce Gardner and and players like that that are coming into the league that are athletic as hell that can run like the wind I, I just don't think you can do it unless you're absolutely all in now I will flip that by saying look if Mike Evans doesn't drop that absolute dolly then we're not even talking about this kind of situation no he hasn't played particularly well Brady this season but I think that's a very different game um on Sunday but he just looks, it looks over and, you know, I, he would never be somebody who would just walk away mid-season. But if this is not the last knockings of Tom Brady, I, I, I'll be astonished. And I saw an amazing tweet that said um, there was a photo of him sort of looking sort of very harsh and, and gaunt, really, in the locker room afterwards at the, at, the, at the lectern. And it said, Tom Brady looks like Mark Wahlberg playing Tom Brady in a movie about the Super Bowl being taken <laughs> over by terrorists. <laughs> which I thought was fantastic and kind of just sums everything up. But he just, but everything is, the running game isn't working. I know there's been lots of injuries at receiver. Chris Godwin is struggling to come back. Mike Evans has obviously served the suspension, has been injured. 
he's obviously missing Rob Gronkowski. The offensive line is an absolute mess, and we knew it would be as soon as guys like Ali Marpet retired and uh, uh, the injury issues that they've had up front, Ryan Jensen tearing his ACL and all those sorts of things. You know, that that is they, those have been major issues. But, but the book on it pre-season was, yes, he's had those injuries, but he's had worse offensive lines before yeah, and he's, he's managed to coach level. them up and they've figured it out and they've raised it up. Father he time has, is undefeated, Will. Father time is undefeated. And, 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 and like Chris Godwin hasn't looked like Chris Godwin yet this season. And Mike Evans did drop an absolute dolly, but he still has a very good receiving call That's there. Player, yeah. And so... You know, I, I, he has to take a huge amount of this on his shoulders as much as he wants to throw around, you know, uh, Microsoft Surface tablets and as much as he wants to scream at people on the sideline. Yeah, it does feel like this is the last throws. And it's almost, it's a, it's a genuine shame. As much as like last year, he wouldn't have been going out on the Super Bowl that he would have been a year before. At least he was going out on a playoff appearance and they still played well and everything else. Even for somebody who has become completely unenamored with the Brady experience over the past certainly 10 years with his second thing. You, you recognize his brilliance. You recognize his greatness. And you'd rather he went out on top. If they have a losing season this season, which is absolutely a possibility in Tampa Bay, and then he just kind of limps off into the into the sunset, it's a, it's a shame that that's the way he's going to go out. But it is looking increasingly like that could be the way that he goes out. Uh, we had a couple of questions off Twitter, which I'm just going to get to just in case I have to. Uh, so Lee, by the way, is just uh, posting in the comments going, ha, 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 Pats. I think we all really feel like that. Let's be we honest. We all definitely feel like that. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, Brad asks, will the Broncos get back to winning ways this weekend? I have to say, as much as the Jags are two and five, and that feels like a very Jack. That's obviously what the Broncos are as well, and that very much feels like a Jacksonville type record. I saw enough in that Giants game, the late drive where they came within. You know, it was like a Titans Rams Super Bowl ending type tackle on the half yard line that stopped prevented them from getting in and winning that game. Lawrence looked sturdier than he had done in previous weeks. There weren't anywhere near as many overthrows. There were still a couple, but he overall looked more consistent. He was facing a better defense than he's faced in a lot of other weeks. And I just, I feel like Jacksonville are kind of due one. And with the way that Denver have played in recent weeks, even if they get Russell Wilson back, and even though their defense is still very good, and it is a very good unit, there is a reason that that second half last week started with eight three and outs. And it wasn't just because it was Brett Rippin and Zach Wilson under center. I don't know. I, I kind of like Jacksonville at Wembley this weekend, Simon. Yeah, I do 100%. I mean, we, we talked about this on, on Talk Sport on Sunday night, Will, in terms of Trevor Lawrence and, you know, you look around the league, actually, and you look at some of these younger quarterbacks. Joe Burrow obviously had struggles at the start of the season, obviously missed some time in training camp, had the um, appendix out. Justin Herbert's been really spotty this season. We talked about Mac Jones earlier on. Trevor Lawrence really hasn't come to the party yet, really as a pro. And you were hoping that with Doug Peterson this season, that the increase in talent around and Travis Etienne coming back, the offensive line getting an injection of, uh, of talent, it hasn't really happened. And I'm worried for him, but I do think that this is a perfect opportunity to get a win on the board, to, to to be out of the spotlight a little bit in London in terms of just that kind of whole... I think the game's only on ESPN Plus as well, so I'm, I'm not sold that everybody's even seeing it in the States. So um, I think it's a good opportunity for him just to sort of, you know, calm down a little bit and, and go back to what he's been really good at. Because on Sunday, he wasn't even the best Clemson player on the field. That was Dexter Lawrence of the Giants. Um, 
So I, you know, I am concerned about Lawrence, but I, I do think this is a, I mean, even a comfortable Jacksonville victory. Actually, it will be interesting to see as well what happens with Denver. A lot of talk about Jerry Judy potentially getting traded and some, some, you know, you wonder what's going on with the Broncos there. And um, I mean, we could do a whole podcast just on Nathaniel Hackett. So, yeah, bless you, Will. Uh, <laughs> cough, cough rather than sneeze, but I appreciate it. All right. uh, <laughs> Uh, there was also a question on the Cowboys potentially going for a corner prior to the trade deadline. This is after a feared Liz Frank injury to Jordan Lewis, who's been very good this year uh, in you know a defense which very clearly has a couple of absolute superstars on it. You know the, the stats around Mika Parsons seventh sack of the season, level with Nick Bosa at the top of the sack records, fifth career forced fumble. Trayvon Diggs registered his third interception of the year. It means Parson recorded twenty. 20 sacks in 23 career games, which is level with Dwight Freeney, Sean Merriman, Von Miller. Only Reggie White and Joey Bosa got to that number quicker. And from an interception perspective, you're talking about, you know, only Everson Walls has more interceptions in as many career games. Uh, so I, I kind of feel like they may well just try and ride the stars. I don't think that they're going to go out and spend big. I don't think there's many obvious... I think, a names, I think a couple of names worth watching would probably be Dante Jackson in Carolina and Stefan Gilmore in Indianapolis. That just wouldn't, like, it wouldn't surprise me if either of those got moved. Um, and you could see Dallas certainly at Gilmore. And you just, you know, you, you flip across the division, you look at Darius Slay and James Bradbury. It, and, Gilmore feels very Jerry Jones, to be clear. Uh, like, that feels like the was, sort of thing he would do. Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say. That you know, Bradbury and, and Slay seem like a perfect combo in in Philadelphia, and I'm not sold there's a you know a more perfect cornerback for for Jerry Jones than, than someone like Stephon Gilmore, who just brings obviously a high level of talent, but also just huge experience to that to that position, and can can offer a bit more solidity alongside Trayvon Diggs, who who remains a little bit boom or bust. And it, when you've got the the spectre of Sean Payton hanging over uh, Mike <laughs> McCarthy and the fact that the NFC, other than the Eagles, are maybe the Giants, but other than the Eagles, the NFC is pretty much wide open. Mike McCarthy will be thinking, right, this is a chance for me to take Dallas deep into the playoffs. If so, I'm Sean Payton, I'm not going to Dallas. I just want to put that out there. I'm going to go to Detroit. What an opportunity! If you they end Bryce, up losing, if they end up losing enough games to get one of those callbacks, I you agree. Bryce Young in the draft, and yeah. you bring in Sean Payton, and oh my goodness, look out! Jamison Williams. That, I mean, they've got the best offensive line in the league. That defense is young and hungry and getting better and better. I just, um, if I'm Sean Payton, <laughs> Dallas. Yeah. There's a little bit of me that thinks if Dak Prescott went back healthy, we've only seen him twice this year and he's been bad in both games and got injured in one of them. Let's not forget he got injured late in the fourth quarter of that game. So we've seen basically two full games. But you can look at last week and say coming back, rust, injury, etc., etc. If he figures it out, there is a, an argument that there is enough talent in Dallas with the talent on defense already to say, yes, that is a Super Bowl-worthy team. It just needs the coaching. That could be temptation, but I think that they'd have to figure themselves out on offense before the end of the year for him to, to be Ollie, brought into you, that, if you know what I mean. What do you think about this? Because I think it would be pretty harsh on Dan Quinn not to get that job. And I think if you don't give Dan Quinn the head coaching job in Dallas, you lose him as a defensive coordinator. And I think that that's not what you want to do, given how fantastically he's turned that defense around. 
But is that part of Jerry Jones's mantra? If of I know I know he's a big fan of Kellen Moore, and and maybe he would be the next cab off the rank. Um, Dan Quinn, not, not for me, Clive. No, not for me either. So I think Dan Quinn. Yeah, I mean, if he, he if he doesn't get the Dallas job, if it comes up. You never know what's going to happen with Mike McCarthy, but if he doesn't get the Dallas job, he's off, obviously off somewhere. Um, it, it should be already be his job, just to be clear. He, they should have given it to him this off-season, not, not wait until next year. Mike McCarthy didn't do anything to justify staying in that no. job this year particularly. Uh, we've looked forward to quite a few elements of this coming weekend that we're excited about, but let's just take a quick look to, to week eight and just either pick out a game or something that you're excited to see. We've got on uh, on the radio station for which I also work, we have four games back to back to back this weekend and to back to do it properly. So we've got the Wembley game, then we've got Jets Patriots, 49ers Rams, Packers Bills, which by the way, Ollie, oof. Going to Buffalo this weekend. Oof. Um, those, those feel like four super significant games for the teams involved. So I'm just excited for, for everything on Sunday. But Ollie, what are you looking at on this Sunday slate and getting hyped about? Well, if I wasn't a Packers fan and the, and the thought of an absolute ass whipping being put upon us by Josh Allen et al, it would have been that game. I, I know Aaron Rodgers has said that this is the kind of game that they thrive on and being underdogs and that uh, all right in hindsight we can see that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are, are useless but they were massive underdogs in that game again against uh, the Bucks earlier on in the season and the the Packers could do something but they won't do anything so it's not that's not the game that I'm particularly looking forward, forward to I think um I think they're going to absolutely roll all over us it's again and I think it's because of the Porn, pornness, the paucity that of of talent, the pornness of of good teams uh, in the NFC. It's another. It looks like another slightly shaky slate of of games again. Um, but I, I'm always. I, I think the Eagles having a week off, getting to watch them again is and and seeing if they can back up their early season form is is an intriguing intriguing one for me. So many so bad many. teams in the league, so many bad teams in the league has just made this slate look pretty ugly again. I mean, I'm just trying yeah. to pick out. I mean, Rams 49ers looks like a a, a decent-ish game, but, you know. I, don't I think know. it looks more than decent-ish, and I'm not saying this to a 49ers fan. The Rams desperately need to get back on track against a team who have absolutely owned them in the regular season, but have just come off their worst loss in three years. And, and therefore, the Rams might fancy themselves. It's always a good divisional game. Yeah. They've been very tight the last few times they've played. Like, genuinely removing myself as a 49ers fan, I actually fancy the Rams in SoFi this weekend. But I think that's, that's for me, that's the best game neutral-wise on the slate. My point being, I think, was that it was a, you know, a 3-3 three and three against a 3-4 and four team. I think the best game of the weekend actually is Seattle against the Giants. I think Geno Smith is playing genuinely yeah. playing like top three or four MVP candidate. I don't think there's any debate about that whatsoever. Um, and you're playing against a six and one New York Giants side. I think um, you know, I think that will be a um I think will be an outstanding game. And it's in Seattle, it's on the road, so the noise, the fans will be a fantastic. Beyond that, you look at, you know, Jets Patriots would have been all right, I suppose, but the, you know, Patriots shat the bed last night. Colts Commanders is the 
Texans Titans. I, I, I have to say, I like Jets Patriots more because of that. I had a feeling that what was going to happen was the Patriots were absolutely going to walk past the Bears and then this was going to be definitely the end for the Jets. But the Jets open up as slight favourites and, and I, I like... We maybe expect a Belichick reaction, but is that thinking of us about the Belichick-Brady era where whenever they would suffer a loss, they would go out and just absolutely game plan the hell out of someone the following week and hammer them? Don't know if that's true anymore. Yeah. 74-86 without without Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, which uh, tells its own story. Vikings-Cardinals is kind of... You know, if the Vikings had a proper coach and a decent scheme... Would but be they're boring, aren't they? The Vikings-Cardinals are really dull. And uh, I, I mean, Arizona have a, have a dreadful, as you said, dreadful, dreadful head coach. But at least they've got an interesting-ish quarterback, and they'll have an, another week of DeAndre Hopkins being able to practice, which makes it. I mean, on paper, that makes that game a bit more interesting because the Vikings are five and one, but they they're the, maybe the most boring five and one team that I've ever seen. We spent a good 10 minutes of this podcast talking about how the Giants and Jets are six and one and five and two, but you know, it's taken real guts and some lucky moments and some great moments of to, to get there. The the Vikings look like an absolute lie at five and one. They remind me of last year's Cardinals side. I'm not buying it. Barring that brilliant win over the Packers in week one, which now looks less brilliant because of what we've seen from the Packers. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. They, they like you said that Dolphins game. They win that Dolphins game despite having eleven three and outs. Like, just I don't, I don't, don't know how the they Vikings. I don't know how they we'll get, the Vikings fans are famously very, very laid back on social media and don't give you any stick when you have a go at them. I just they look like an absolute mirage of a team to me. But then they're facing the ultimate mirage in the Arizona Cardinals of recent seasons. So, oh, that could be some bad football. Oh, that could be some bad football. It's a bad football weekend. Ooh, it really now, is. What it means is that people can go and enjoy the game at Wembley and then they don't have to worry too much. They can just tune into the radio and make their way home, not rush to a bar to get there for the five o'clock games. And then they're there in time to watch Red Zone or watch whichever game they want to choose. And that'll flip between that Seattle-New York game and that San Francisco Rams game. So well, we, it's fine. We get, we get to go to bed a bit earlier this week as well, don't we? It's the... Uh... 1215, 1220 late game rather than the 115, 120. So uh, on that week, I always look and think, oh, yeah, I could definitely do Monday night football as it finishes at 3 30. I could definitely do Browns, Bengals, good Monday night football, Texans, Eagles, less good Thursday night football. There we go. Yeah. Uh, gents, it's been fun, unless anyone else has any other thoughts. So do the clocks go back or are they going forward? They're going back. Clocks- Clocks go back on Saturday night and Sunday morning. So they don't confusing. go back in America for an extra week. For another week. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's that it's that brilliant week where we're that little bit closer to the States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Spring what a, forward. What a time forward, to be alive. As our Yankee brethren say. Yeah. Uh, any other final thoughts other than Ollie Sorry. just figuring out the <laughs> calendar according to Obama? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> brilliant. I'm glad we could bring you this fine service. Uh, Otherwise, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, for your questions and everything. As always, at Gridiron on Twitter, at UK Gridiron on Instagram. We're on TikTok as well. Michael does a fine job of getting all that stuff up. I started today being very mean to Michael. And so I'll finish it by saying, isn't he brilliant? And aren't we all excited to get drunk with him in London again? Because he's definitely drinking this week. He told me 100%. 
It's going to happen. You better be. Uh, you can have fun without it, by the way. Uh, you know, always drink responsibly and all that. Uh, otherwise, thank you so much for listening. It's all gone wrong at the end here, and I'm all right with it. It's gone on an Ollie Hunter ramble. Uh, thank you so much for listening and watching. From Simon, from Ollie, from myself, this has been The Grid Show. 